side of you getting 57 on them last game. Did you notice anything different with their coverages on you tonight? No, I noticed the ball not going in the rim. <laughs> Was LeBron, I know teammates have to make shots, you know, all with the triple doubles, five straight games with double-digit assists. Is there something different about uh, the way you're seeing the game right now? The way yeah, uh, the game is just very, very, very slow to me right now. Um, I'm just playing the game at a, uh, at a snail's pace, and I'm able to see everything and see things happen before they actually happen and put the ball on time on target. I've always, pre- I've always taken pride on passing. That's one of my biggest uh, my biggest assets in my game, and uh, you know to have teammates that compliments my passing is the, is the ultimate dream for a guy like myself. Game is slowing down for you right now. How how often does that happen for you? you? Seem to be obviously see the game pretty well right normally. Uh yeah, you know it's, it's I'm just in a good groove. I mean, I'll probably be here for a while. All right, for those of you who did not catch that voice, that would be four-time NBA MVP LeBron James, who, yes, he did not score 57 against the Wizards. He did quite enough, though, as the Cavaliers beat the Wizards 106-99. We'll talk about the game, LeBron, and, of course, most of all, the Wizards angle of this all here on the Locked on Wizards podcast. Ben Standig here. Mr. Todd Dybus from the Washington Times is here. Uh, you can find all the podcasts on iTunes. Find us on Twitter at Ben Standard or at Todd underscore Divis. Um, so let's just start with this. Uh, look, that was a fun game. I mean, I, I said to you in, uh, at one point during the game, if you tell me the Wizards are going to lose every game, but it's played at that sort of pace or at that level and they're enthused and they're playing at a high level, I would take it. Now, I know nobody wants to hear them lose every game, but I just mean like watching this get, watching them lose has been more fun than watching some of these games where they've won over Memphis and the Clippers and these slogs where they're not showing. So the Wizards played a pretty good game tonight. I think all things considered, no Otto Porter, uh, Markeith Morris had some uh, injury issues we'll get to, but man, what are you going to do? I mean, this, it felt like a night where it's like that guy is the best player in the game. Uh, there's not much you can do about it. And, uh, it's a tip your hat kind of night. Yeah, the the level that he compromises everything you try to do defensively, no matter who you put on him, remains astonishing. I mean, he's 32 years old. This is his 15th season. He's played approximately 1.2 million minutes at this point in the NBA, considering all the postseason trips. And if you're going to leave him alone, and if you're going to switch and you're going to leave people alone, he's going to back down your guards and beat them up. If you come and double... He's going to skip the ball to, oh, you know, Kyle Korver, a guy who made the All-Star game strictly because he can shoot threes, um, or a bevy of other people. So, you know, J.R. Smith, Jay Crowder, and really Jose Calderon basically had no impact on this game. And Isaiah Thomas is still out. Dwayne Wade was out. And yet it was still... By the end, you know, the last three or four minutes, a pretty comfortable margin for the Cavaliers, all because LeBron James is still such an issue. So just to go through this, so he went, so in the in the last game, again, 57 points, I want to say it was like 23 of 34 shooting. He was making everything, and, and pregame Scott Brooks joked that their goal was to hold him to like 56. But he said, look, last game, they, LeBron, they dared LeBron more or less to shoot a lot of long twos. He did. He made them all. They paid the price. So this time... They, uh, you know, they, they maybe, well, he, he took a lot of shots. Well, not a lot. He took 23 shots. He only made eight. 
but they were, you know, sort of forcing him on some level to feed the ball to his teammates. But like Todd just said, and like LeBron just said, he's got guys who can make shots. Cleveland was 14 to 34 from three. The wizard, the wizards were matching them for a while from three, but then they faded out because of injuries or because they were just getting tired. And we'll get to sort of that aspect in a second, but man, I mean, I, you look at that starting lineup. You said like Jay Crowder was not a big deal tonight, and he and he wasn't. But Kevin Love, he had 25 points. He led Cleveland in scoring. He had five threes. Like I, I'm not saying the Wizards can't beat Cleveland. And look, no Otto Porter. Again, you mentioned they didn't have some guys, so we'll see if they're all healthy. But my, I, I, if if they're going with Crowder, LeBron, and Kevin Love, and almost whatever else you want to do, I I, I really see the Wizards. I don't know how the Wizards are going to combat that because Gortat can't guard Kevin Love outside. Right. So that means you have to go somebody smaller. I, you know, maybe like a Mike Scott who had another good game tonight. But then you're getting beat up on the boards. And then the question is, well, who's guarding LeBron? If you put uh, like Brooks was struggling, I try to figure out how to put guys enough guys on the court to to mix and match. And th- this is my thing with LeBron. I, I know I get cur- or knocked for saying I can't stand him or whatever. It's always a, re- a relative topic. He's obviously one of the best players of all time. It's all relative to using the best or whatever. But he is the ultimate mismatch. I mean, you can't. There's not that much you can do with it, even if Mark, I mean, Marquise Morris is their best hope. He's all, he's not back, all the way back healthy yet. Oh. <laughs> I know. I mean, like I said, normally I come in here with, oh, they should have done this. They should have done that. But I, dude's good. I mean, <laughs> st- states, states the obvious. Dude is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. One of the things John Wall mentioned afterward was if you make small mistakes, the only comparable punishment you receive around the league beyond what you receive from LeBron James when you make small mistakes is San Antonio and he and he added Golden State but he added them as teams and he said with LeBron is just him and if you if you misread what you're doing away from the ball or what you were supposed to be doing on the ball then you're dead meat because he makes the right decision he's such a willing passer they actually believe the Wizards defenders believe that he's looking past first. So <laughs> the guy's 6'8". <coughs> Excuse me. All right. So uh, as Todd catches himself there. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like I said, th- th- they can just line the court with, with three-point shooters. And I said to LeBron, I, I was in the Cavs locker room after the game, there were lots of questions being asked to LeBron. And I said to LeBron, uh, so uh, Otto Porter was out for them. And it seemed like you guys were really doing a good job of putting out these lineups out there that was causing problems for the Wizards to to, to uh, combat. And he was like, well, uh, just to be clear, we were missing Isaiah. We're missing Dwayne Wade. Right. I mean, whatever they had going on, we have a lot of stuff going on, too. Uh, they are just so many dudes. I mean, they really it, it really does feel like on some level this is the best I've seen a, a team assembled around LeBron for what he does. I mean, obviously in Miami when you had peak Dwayne Wade and, and Chris Bosh, those were great players. But – the, you know, the way LeBron has never been an ideal fit and all the other pieces were interesting, but not necessarily ideal yeah, here. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they were, they had points out here. They were, had like five guys, six, seven or taller. They were basically playing no guards. LeBron was the, the, the point guard and the ball handler and all of it. And it didn't matter. <laughs> like, right. like, I mean, it, whatever they wanted to do, it just was going to work. Um, and it wasn't just because Otto Porter was not there. They're just, you know, playing at a high level. And the quote he says there at the end, I mean, if you like movies, if you like suspense movies, thrillers, and that some you know Hannibal Lecter type person gives it says a line that sends chills down your back, LeBron saying, "I'm talking at a high level. I don't see it going away for a while." <laughs> well, good luck. They've won seventeen of eighteen or what? Eighteen of nineteen. Seventeen of eighteen. I mean, so yeah. So good luck with that. 
Yeah, and you have to think Isaiah is just basically cackling to himself over there on the bench when he's looking at the opposite side from when LeBron has the ball. And he, that's where he's going to be after he averaged, what, nearly like 29 a game, basically being double teamed for an entire season for the team that had the most wins in the East during the regular season. Instead, now you get to go over here. You're not going to see the primary defender. And you're going to have a bunch of space to operate with. And you could either run pick and roll with Tristan Thompson on that side and have the defense worry about lobs all the time. Or you're over there just able to kind of navigate um, with tremendous spacing because your center is a three-point shooter. Possibly the the other guard is going to be a three-point shooter, whether it's J.R. Smith or... Corver, and then of course LeBron is over there too. Is so it's uh it's going to be fascinating to see how they fit Isaiah Thomas into the whole thing, uh, how many shots per game he gets, and then once they go to the bench, you're going to have Wade coming off the bench, and you're never really going to have you're going to have a bench player who's essentially a starter still. I know, obviously, Dwayne Wade is much older, but he's going to be on the floor when you take your starters off. And so then you start seeing a very Golden State-esque equation personnel-wise, and LeBron makes the whole thing tick. All right, so to sort of, uh, you know, get to the wizards of it all, I mean, like I said, you just have to tip your head, tip your cap to LeBron here. The Wizards were right there, though. I mean, the, yeah. the, the score was tied at halftime. They were tied 83-all, end of the third. And they were there, but Cleveland had an 8-0 run uh, starting around the nine-minute mark of the fourth quarter, and then it, the Wizards never quite got back in it. And guess, it who, guess who never came off the floor in the fourth quarter? Who? I'm going to guess the uh, four-time MVP? Yeah, he had seven points, four rebounds, and four assists. I think – confirm that for me. This is – like, he was – En route to a triple-double in the fourth quarter when he played all 12 minutes. Seven, seven, and four. Seven, seven, and four. He also yep. had three turnovers and some fouls, and four fouls. Uh, he had a very busy quarter. Yes. Um, but part of the reason why the Wizards were able to stay with them throughout was Bradley Beal played heavy, heavy minutes. He played the first 20 minutes of the game. I don't remember really ever seeing that. Other than the guy playing the full 48, I don't really remember <laughs> seeing a guy do that, at least right. not here. Right. Um, and he played 43 minutes, and Beal, like the Wizards, started hot shooting but faded as the game progressed. At halftime, the Wizards were 9 of 16 from 3, shooting 47%. It actually had been even higher that most of the game. Second half, they went 3 of 17 from deep, uh, shot 38.6% from the field in the uh, in the second half. Bradley Beal in the fourth quarter, 1 for 6, 0 for 3 from 3. And, look, you know... And he was th- four for thirteen from three tonight, and in a season where he's not shooting his typical percentage already. Right. Uh, so I think you look at this in two ways. On the one hand, oh, for all the reasons we just talked about with Cleveland, th- they're always going to have studs on the court, even if LeBron's sitting, because Kevin Love and you know, some of these other guys. And I think Scott Brooks looked at it like, okay, I've got no more. So I-, I I can't afford. You know, John Wall still working his way back. This is his third game. He played 32 minutes. You figure in a normal situation, he's probably at 40 or 40 plus. Sure. So he probably was like, I can't tr- trust to take any Beal off the court. 
Right. Even though, as I pointed out to you, <laughs> now we're at a point where the second unit has actually been pretty good of late, and he didn't, I don't think, ever had those five guys together on the court. Right. The foul trouble also was an issue, too. Ubre had two early fouls. He started for Porter. Right. So now you're down, ding, ding, you're down those two guys very quickly in the game. And that's why we saw Sadoransky come in, but as a small forward. So, yeah, you never got to that all-bench group um, that's been playing well. And, and so my only point there is when you're playing Beal the first 20 minutes of the game and the minutes are piling up, you are basically setting yourself up for, well, he better be have enough late. Right. He didn't. And, right. you know, it may, it may not have mattered. LeBron may have had enough tricks in the bag. It wouldn't have made a difference. Uh, but that was, if I had to sort of question anything that happened tonight from the from the Wizards' perspective, it would be sort of, and Brooks, he said it after the game. Maybe I played Beal 20 minutes. He says things like that sometimes. Yeah, and Beal said that he was he was a little tired, too. Um, you know, but, of course, he wants to be on the floor as much as possible. Like like any player would play 48 minutes. Sure. It's, it's not his responsibility to determine, to determine that. So and, it was odd circumstances tonight, but it was also extreme. And the other thing is, because of some of the lineups, either Beal or Wall... I would say often, but at times found themselves having to guard LeBron, meaning they're giving up in five inches and 50 pounds. So that wears on you as well. It isn't just the, sure. the normal deal. So, you know, like I said, I don't know if there was too much Brooks could have done to, to, to game plan this to, to you know, for, for them to come out with uh, with a win. The bottom line is they, you know, they got tired. They also didn't help themselves in other ways. Nine of 16 from the free throw line. Um, I mean, they only had a pretty clean game. Both teams only had 10 turnovers. Um, so that was good. But, you know, ultimately they only had 39 points in the second half after they scored yeah. 37 in the second quarter. So, you know, you got to score, but more breaking they, news. Yeah, right. They they did say universally they thought they had good shots in the second half. So what's strange is that Cleveland was on the second night of a back-to-back, and the Wizards should have been fine. So there's no, uh, after a day off, just a, a day of practice, a day off from games Saturday. Uh, you don't typically see this kind of second half fade uh, when you're rested, but it was there in full throttle. And 16 points in the fourth quarter—that's not going to do it. All right, let's get to some other guys here. We, we've been praising Sadoransky a bunch in recent days, and with good reason. Uh, yeah, you know. Wasn't necessarily his best adding again, plus minus. He was minus 15, worst on the, on the team. Um, you know, Brooks, when he th- first throws him in the lineup, because Ubre got some foul trouble, he put him in for Ubre with, with Wall and Beal on the court. Uh, I, I, on the one hand, you look at it as a positive, like, hey, he put Sadarinsky in, and if Tim Frazier uh, didn't play again, it looks like it's pretty clear who's the backup point guard. But that said, he's throwing Sadarinsky in quickly to be that three, and that's not where he's at at all. That, that particular line forced Wall to guard LeBron. It had LeBron guarded Sadoransky, which essentially just meant he was the ultimate free safety, not even bothering with him. And which is also how they started the game with LeBron on Oubre, and he was, you know, like, well, whatever, go for it, kid. <laughs> right, right. And and, and so, you know, it, it, yeah, this just wasn't a game where, where, where Sadoransky – and, and, you know, there are some games that are different than others. This game was played at a high level. There was a lot more energy. This isn't necessarily a game where – this is where your stars – this is a game for the stars, and sure. uh, and that's not where Sadoransky's at yesterday, or at where he's at yet. Now that said, also off the bench, I mean Mike Scott's killing it again. He went eight for fourteen from the field, three or seven from three, nineteen points. He starts the third quarter, 
because not because of uh, benching, but because Marky Morris guess, had some sort of neck whiplash. He had whiplash, get, he said. Yeah, yeah, he had to get checked out. Uh, asked what what happened. He goes, I don't. You can probably figure out what words. The heck, if I know. Yeah, something like that. Um, so Scott started the third quarter, and uh, you know, look, he. He, he he had some good moments. I mean, he, it's the up and down of him. He had some good, I thought, some defensive moments against Kevin Love uh, at, at points. You know, he's going to get beat on other points. Um, this topic keeps coming up now. More and more people are tweeting about it, talking about it. Hey, Mark Cuban is not playing well. Mike Scott is killing it. Why would you not start Mike Scott? Uh, my thoughts, and then you tell me what you think. My thought is simply, one, he's doing fine on the bench. You don't have to... Some people are just better, you know, we had this discussion to some degree with the Nats all year, who should bat second, right? Not everybody, you don't, all, you, the, the best scenario is not take all your best guys necessarily and bat them one through eight. It doesn't work like that necessarily. Some guys are going to be better than others for whatever the reason. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Mike Scott couldn't start, but one, he's never has in his whole career. So there's something to that. And two, you know, there is something to law of diminishing returns. The more he uses him, he plays, the more his flaws get exposed. There's a reason why... For several reasons why the Wizards got him for a minimum deal, but among them, he's good, not all that. So he's playing great. Don't screw with that. It also he played more minutes than Markeith. He's been playing in the fourth quarter. That's what matters most. People focus way too much on who starts. All that said, they have to get more out of Markeith. This is a broken record aspect of it. And Mike Scott's playing great, so he should play more minutes than Markeith. Just stop with the at least from my perspective, stop with the starting part. They need Markeith to get better. If 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 he doesn't get better, we can throw this season away. <laughs> right, I mean, they're not going to get out of the first round probably if Marquise isn't getting going. So, Mike, let Mike Scott do what he's doing. If Brooks wants to play him more minutes in the fourth quarter, great. But Marquise should start, but he's got to get better. That would be my take. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to agree with you, which Damn it. gives me. You mentioned like the the chills when you hear <laughs> a certain statement. Um, oh, stop! Come that, on, we, 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 I yeah. think that gives me the cold sweats oh. when I have to say that. So. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, it, it makes sense to kind of keep that bench group unified. Obviously, come trade deadline, they, they could use another level of punch with that group for sure. Um, but keeping Sadoransky there and keeping Mike Scott there, they seem pretty well in tune. Um, Mahimi was playing better before he had another knee flare-up. So I, I would agree with that. And, and of course... the. The one thing I will say about the making a big deal out of who starts, that matters to players mentally. Absolutely. And so it, it actually reinforced for me, reinforces the case that Marquise should start Yes. because you want to maintain his mentality the best that you can. And Mike Scott, if he's productive in this situation, maintain his mentality. Leave, leave him there. Give him a bunch of minutes. Say, hey, look, to everybody else, he's playing really well. He's going to play a lot. He's going to play at the end, which also is often what players will tell you. The most important thing is whose name is called first and who's on the floor at the end. The in-between, they're not so concerned about. So those are two mental factors (laughs) to me to keep things the way they are. And as you said, at some point, they need Markeith, much like the team, to stop playing two good games and then one mediocre game or two mediocre games and then two good games, et cetera, so they get out of this kind of, you know, I mean, they're 16 and 14. That's This is waffling around 500, and at some point they need to snap out of it and get moving. 
and and for those who are screaming, well, why not start Ubre? Well, I mean, because right, that Ubre lineup with take out Ubre from Morris and that starting lineup, everybody from Zach Lowe down points to how efficient that lineup is and all that. And I totally get it. But again, I would say it's efficient in spurts. It's not uh, this. Again, if you start, if you keep, if you start Ubre for Morris, that means your bench is Morris and Scott. That is not an ideal. You can't play. I mean, you're not playing them both together. Then one of them is your three if you go in with that sort of all bench lineup. So that's not ideal. And uh, you know, Ubre again. We we talk about this all the time. He does some good stuff. He does some crazy stuff. He, he's not all that. Just because Marquise Morris is struggling doesn't mean you change up all the other stuff. The bench has been really good lately. Not to mention Ubre. <laughs> Brace yourselves, everybody. Ubre has shot terribly during the month of December. So I don't know what the benefit of a promotion would be for him other than the fact that maybe that would get him going playing with John and sure. Brad. So maybe that would make his, his life brighter, but you would have to tell Markeith, we're going to sit you down because we want to get the, the third year guy going. Who's not shooting well with the bench group right now. Right. And I would say this, if there's going to be a radical change in that point, it shouldn't probably come with 30 games. I mean, when we get to sort of the the uh, trading deadline and the Wizards do or do whatever they're going to do, then maybe that's the point where you're like, okay, we've just added this piece, and now we're going to have to go make some changes if things aren't uh, aren't uh, up to snuff. That's still another 25 games away. Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll we'll see. They've got they've got some more uh, things uh, to uh, consider. Uh, speaking of that, you know what else is going to go on, Todd? You know what's the next? You know what the next game is? Uh, do I dare say, oh yeah, the Anthony Davis game, right? Yes, the Anthony Davis game. The and, Drew Holiday game? Yes, the Drew Holiday game. And they have a teammate that there are people who think that the Wizards should acquire. I don't um, know if you've heard about this before. Hmm, I'm trying to think of who it could be. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. That's, uh, that's about all I got. He's the uh, quarterback of the Redskins. Oh, no, wait, that's the wrong guy. Wrong Kurt Cousins. Cousins? Kurt Cousins. So, yeah, so Boogie Cousins and the Pelicans here Tuesday which of course means that everybody who's, who uh, has a blog or uh, you know has a Twitter account or maybe has a podcast will be discussing how do the Wizards get Boogie Cousins. We're not going to talk about that now. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about that tomorrow. But I'm saying in terms of this concept of what do you do, um, you know, that's somebody that people think is something the Wizards should consider. And I will say that if don't the Pelicans have to consider that too? Isn't that part of the equation? Should I not start rambling about this now and, and we can cover it later? Oh. I mean, this yeah. perspective of, well, the Wizards should do this and they just get to do it. Sure, right. It is, is, is. The Pelicans have their own things going on and they are, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to make the play. Like they, they, they're trying to make the playoffs regardless. They're, they're in consideration up to, uh, to do that. They're in the mix. So yeah, it doesn't seem likely they're going to make a move anytime soon, but you know, depending on how their next few weeks go, they may have to do something or potentially lose a boogie outright. Uh, I'm going to lose uh, Todd outright in a moment if I don't end the podcast. So we'll wrap it up here. Uh, like I said, it was an entertaining game. Uh, after watching some of these just, ugh, games they've had lately, I was excited for that aspect of it. I kind of wish I'd been able to watch more because I was, I don't know, focusing on work. Uh, Fantasy football. A little bit. Fantasy football. <laughs> there was a little bit of that going on, too. It was a lot happening today. But, um, but yeah, exciting game. You know, like I said, all you can do is when LeBron's doing those things, there's not much, you know, especially when you don't have all your, your guys in play, there's only so much you can do. The Wizards hung in there. If 
they had maybe been able to find a way to get Beal some more minutes earlier. Maybe some of those shots fall, and, and you know, we have a different story. Yeah, if you can't match the firepower with him picking you apart, basically, then there you are. Especially when they're, down, as we said, down way down Isaiah Thomas. Um, By the way, we, we've, we've decided here that uh, from now on, whenever the Wizards get a technical uh, free throw, that instead of Bradley Beal, they should have Jan Mahimi shoot it. Because Jan Mahimi's making his free throws, Bradley Beal... I don't know where he's at with those techs, but it feels like he's missed like a thousand in a row. Yeah, the team as a whole is not shooting free throws well, which is another great way to lose important games. Absolutely. All right, many thanks as always to Todd Dibus with the Washington Times. Go read his stuff there. Follow him on Twitter at Todd underscore Dibus. You can check me out at Ben Standig and uh, find the podcast as always on iTunes or anywhere else you do the podcasting. So until next time, see ya. Deal gets open for three. Dagger! Long drive, long shot. Dagger!